Welcome to She Leads in Tech, where we exist to showcase and spotlight the talents and achievements of women in tech. We're a platform to share knowledge, experiences, and expertise to encourage women to realize their leadership potential at every level of career in the tech industry. So thank you everyone for joining us on this webinar today. So we have here a joint session again of She Leads in Tech and the Old Hanko Women's Forum. And I just want to thank everyone for taking that time on a Friday afternoon to be here to um, hear from Catherine today. So just before we start, just want to give a bit of intro and just in case you haven't heard about She Leads and what we're about and what our mission is. So our, our mission and vision as a platform is to really shine the spotlight on women in tech and showcase our talents and achievement because we do believe that you know in sharing our experiences our, our rich knowledge we can inspire one another and the main focus of doing this is to make sure um, we support each other as women in tech because we know we're quite a limited number in the industry. But then also that from our experiences, we can really share what it's like to work in tech and give people an idea of, you know, what technical capabilities, you know, people already have and they can look to develop. And then also um, encourage each other to think about going into leadership because that's another shortage area for women in, in the industry. So today I've invited Catherine to come speak to us. Catherine is a dear friend of mine. I've worked with for um, many years, as you as you get to know, she's, she's an amazing person. And Catherine's going to speak to us about driving innovation through uh, industrial innovation through private networks and it's something it's a topic that is dear to um, Catherine's heart and she's has she has lots of experience I believe over 30 years working in the telecoms industry so she's a great person to know as a woman in the tech space and I'm pleased to introduce Catherine to everyone on the call today. Thanks Lydia and now everyone knows the terrible truth. I started working at 10 years old. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't know that. So that's something. No, I did not. I did not. But we live in hope. Yes. <laughs> oh my God. I, yeah, I do have um, 30 years of experience. So what I wanted to talk to you about today to start out with was um, a little bit about um, industrial transformation and um, driven by something called or facilitated by something called a private network. And um, I want to talk to you about the drivers for industrial transformation. Um, we call it Industry 4.0. And if you know anything about the history of industrialization, there was the first industrial revolution, the second industrial revolution, etc. And now we're looking at, for the last, I don't know, three, four years, we're looking at industrial Ford Auto, which is the fourth industrial revolution. And it's really being driven by some of the things that you all are working on, as well as some of the things that I think you've heard on, on past webinars, which I've just finished listening to the AI webinar. And I can tell you that AI and machine learning is integral to industrial transformation. But what I'm gonna to talk to you about is a facilitator of industrial transformation, which is something called a private network. And a private network, what is it? Yeah, exactly. What is a private network? A private network is essentially a mobile network 
with spectrum or radio frequency that is dedicated in a specific area for a specific company or entity to use in order to enable their business to work. Now that's very simplistic, but and why would they want something like a private network? Why would they need a mobile spectrum? Well, let's talk about a few things. Let's talk about Wi-Fi, which is where we are today. Wi-Fi is not going to go away, but what a private so but Wi-Fi has some advantages. It's very good inside, and also it has some serious disadvantages in that it's not, it doesn't use licensed spectrum, which means that someone could set up a shop right next door to your manufacturing plant that's using Wi-Fi, and, and they could start to draw spectrum, unlicensed spectrum, away from, the, from, from your use. So if you rely on a, a network such as the private network or Wi-Fi to get your work done, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that work is, um, and someone could compromise that by if you if it can be compromised, it's not just, oh, you know, it's not as good. It's it starts to impact your people's ability to be safe in an industrial area. It impacts the ability for you to actually deliver the what you're manufacturing, whether it's a car or medicine or uh, or uh, man, uh, uh, technology. Um, such as a DVD player, let's just say, oh, that's kind of old, but let's say a phone. Um, so it starts to impact your ability to do business, and that's really the key. So when we look at private networks, the driver for private networks is safety, safety and security, and safety and security of your business and your people in your business, because it's not hackable, let's just say, I'm sure a few of these, few people are really going to go and say, is this hackable? Um, it's also, um, it, it's also business continuity. So businesses make contracts with their customers and making contracts with their customers saying, I'm going to deliver to you these trucks, these buses, these cars, these mobile phones, whatever, in a certain period of time. And Anything that impacts that ability for them to do that is, um, is negatively impacts business. So private networks are for safety and security of the business and for your employees. It's also for content continuity of business. And then we'll talk a little bit more in a, in a bit about um, the third thing that I think in private networks really drives, and that is the ability to track what's going on in your business. And that has so many different implications. But the number one thing that I think of today is the environment. Because if we don't know as a business how we're impacting the environment, we're not being responsible corporate citizens, number one. And we may be adversely impacting our people, again, safety and security of the people or the people in the area around your business. So I think... Um, what attracts people to private networks is something that just came here. I think I've asked that question. So private networks is a private mobile network. It's like your big mobile network that you use, but only the people and things that you want to work on them work 
on a private network. So that means your manufacturing plant, and let's just say a car manufacturing plant, um, it has the ability through a private network to have the robotics, to have the data collection that it needs in order to enable AI and machine learning, which I think you learned about on a past webinar. And it has the ability to have connectivity to all of the individuals that are working on the plant. Now, what's one, one thing that's really compelling and why is this industry Ford Auto? Well, it's industry Ford Auto because it's changing the way businesses do business. And I think with the lockdowns and COVID, what we found is that that needs to happen. We found that plant manufacturing plants couldn't work at 100% because they couldn't have the number of people. They've also found that manufacturing plants um, put their workers in an un unsafe situations. And I can tell you, this is not about replacing workers. It's about keeping people safe. And it's also about having enough people there in order for you to do your business. So in the case of COVID and in the case today, we don't have enough people to do the jobs to get their manufacturing done that the, that the world is demanding. And therefore we need the robotics, we need the AI, and we need to track what's going on in a, biz, in a manufacturing plant in order to make those plants work. So what are the driving factors behind the enthusiasm to implement private networks? And I think I've been talking a little bit about them. It's, you know, there's not enough people. There's not enough people to do the jobs that are out there available. I was in Poland about two months ago, and they told me that they have so many jobs open that the Ukrainian refugees who came, and there are a lot of high-tech people in, in Ukraine who came and settled in Poland temporarily, a third, more than a third of them landed in jobs, jobs that the Polish people needed them to do. So there's a huge deficit of people to work, and especially in working in manufacturing plants and things like lorry driving. So there's, there's quite a few things. The other things that are driving um, businesses into private networks are the ability that their businesses um, desiring um, business continuity and also to be able to track what's going on in the business. Because we have things like machine learning and AI. Now, you've heard all about machine learning and AI. What you didn't hear, hear about is a, how difficult it can be to gather the data in order to do the machine learning, in order to know that my piece of machinery that I have on my shop floor is gonna work until it needs to be fixed. It's not gonna work until it breaks, and it's not gonna work until we feel like fixing it because it's on a plan to fix. It's gonna work exactly until it needs to be fixed. And what that means is better productivity, better business continuity. And that data has to come off of that particular manufacturing machinery, and it needs to go into some algorithm, again, your machine learning, your AI, in order to tell, and that's when we rely on our data scientists, in order to tell the business, it's time to, you've got a day to get this fixed or you've got five hours to get this fixed.
So we don't put people, again, it's the safety. I know I'm going to go over and over this stuff, but we don't put people at risk because we don't have a machine that is about to break. And we know exactly when to fix it. That's one thing. Um, the other thing that's driving the enthusiasm to implement private networks is safety and security. With what's going on in the world, being um, businesses being hacked, um, different viruses hitting businesses and negatively impacting their ability to do business. This is a mechanism of in, instead of or own, instead of or in addition to Wi-Fi that enables businesses to continue doing business. So I think my next question is, what are the key factors influencing the purchase of a private network? And I think the key factors influencing the purchase of a private network is a company's being a company being able to identify the business needs and requirements that transform their business and and underpins the use of a private network. Again, I hate to say this, but I was at a, a mine in, in somewhere in Europe and their desire for a private network is being driven by two huge safety issues that they had where they were not able to see their people or find their people. Mm. And that is serious with a private network, which the other thing about a private network, which I didn't say, but this will add to this conversation, is that a private network is designed to be where you want it, when you want it, and how you want it. When I say how you want it, it's designed to be for the use case you're using it for. It's mm -hmm. designed to be um, reachable in those outer corners the, of, of your manufacturing plant or your mine or your port. And it's designed to work in, in, in the areas that you need it to work in. And because it's not Wi-Fi, because it's mobile, you can use quite a few fewer radio, radio heads, let's call them radio heads, or, or radio access network components in order to make it work. So as an example, a business such as a port might need 200 Wi-Fi hotspots in order for the Wi-Fi to permeate the port. And they may only need four or six or eight radio heads in, in mobile in order for that to work. Katya, can I come in with a question there, please, yeah. around the, uh, well, two questions, not just one, I like. Um, on, on the use case of private networks, I think it would be um, good to put that use case into context. And you have a great story, um, well, a real-life story you tell about where, where this has found significance. So I'd like you to retell um, that story just to give everyone the sense of um, what private networks are used for. Okay. And then the second question I have, because um, a lot of us here are currently working in the utility space, and another question people might ask is, you know, is private networks likely to be something that will start to come to play in utilities, or is this still far in the future? So to answer the first question, um, a couple of 
use cases for private networks that I'm going to is is just basic connectivity. So as an example, in an airport, you may need everyone connected all the time. And you may need to make sure that if something happens in the airport, and let's say the the um, uh, agency decides to shut down the public network in the area that an incident might be happening at an airport, you need to work still. And you need to work in all, and you need it to work in all the areas. So as an example, in an airport, um, you need to make sure that the, uh, uh, one of the jobs of the people in the airport is to make sure that the airport runways are free of debris. And they can do it a couple of different ways. They can drive along and, and check the actual pavement to make sure everything's okay. And I can tell you that happens today. Great. So, um, so in the example of an airport, um, so you, if in one of the cases, you've got a guy who drives around and looks and checks to make sure that airport pavement is great and in, in good in good condition for an airplane to land or to take off. Um, without a private network, you may or may not have that person may or may not have access to a mobile spectrum, just public mobile spectrum or to Wi-Fi in order for them to say radio back to the, the main office to say, get someone out here and get rid of these ducks, which is a different guy than the guy who actually um, fills a hole in the pavement or cleans up something. So with a private network, you can, you know for sure that your guy is going to have access and it's going to be fast. The other thing a private network would enable is the ability for a drone to go and do that work for the guy. And you have complete control of the drone. I know drones and airports don't everyone's, oh, no, oh, no, but this is a drone that would be um, controlled completely by the airport. And it's something that a few airports in the world have been trialing. From a manufacturing plant perspective, a private network would be a network that would enable things like autonomous guided vehicles. And in, a, in a manufacturing plant, an autonomous guided vehicle is essentially, um, it, it's, it's an it's a autonomous dolly, for lack of a better way of putting it. I, I think everyone knows what that is. And, and those things need to be super reliable. And oftentimes with Wi-Fi, you, they stop as they move between the Wi-Fi um, nodes or APNs. And with a private network, and because mobile is designed to be seamless, you can move from one radio to another radio. I'm sure you've all had a conversation with somebody as you whiz down the highway um, and you're moving from radio to radio as you're going down the highway and, and it is continuous and you don't drop from place to place. In, in a manufacturing plant, if you've got autonomous vehicles, autonomous guided vehicles who are enabling your ability to go from station to station with different piece, pieces of, let's say, a car, um, then, and if your autonomous guided vehicles or dollies continue to stop, it, it is, it is A, it's not safe, it's problematic, and it's not business continuity. 
So does that make sense, Lydia? I'll unmute myself. Yes, it, it really does. And I was just um, reflecting on that use case in, in Heathrow. I'm thinking about, you know, we, we can have those isolated networks and then thinking about the context of my um, second question, which is how will industries like utilities start to take advantage of private networks in, in future? Or maybe that's even now, right? I can tell you right now that utilities across Europe are looking at private networks and they're looking at them in, so in Heathrow or a manufacturing plant, it's kind of a campus private network. It's, it's in one little area. When we look at utilities, what we look at is we, we look at a long skinny or a wide area private network. What this does is this enables a whole load of wonderful things, including this AI machine learning for utilities. And it enables a lot, uh, and it really helps them to be safer. So a private network, um, a utility could put a private network in across its entire utility network. Let's, let's not take it all the way to the home. Let's just take it all the way from, from, from power generation to power distribution. And as you know, in, in, in companies like National Grid, let's just take National Grid, you have hundreds of substations. And those substations are connected to the next substations, which are connected to power plants. And the, the beauty of a private network for a utility company is they can do all of the diagnostics, they can do all of the um, rem remote checking, and, and I'm going to talk a little bit about um, being able to send someone out and get an expert over to you. And what you find with utilities, though, a lot of them are in areas that they don't have any coverage whatsoever. So even putting and and it's not really feasible to put Wi-Fi because, again, you can put Wi-Fi. But if you've ever been to a substation, which I've had the pleasure of going to, um, there is no power in a substation. So it's very difficult to facilitate multiple um, APNs, multiple APs or access points for Wi-Fi. With a private network, you can have one radio site that can cover the entire area. You know that someone can't rock up and steal and 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 um, impact the ability for them to do business, and you know that you're going to have service there. Now, in the case of utilities, I think it's it's absolutely ideal because it's the impact is not just being able to look at what's going on remotely, take data, um, what's the temperature here, um, is this working, etc. It it gives a utility the ability to send someone out, and with a pair of Hololens glasses or some other type of device get the expert on the phone who probably is located maybe in the corporate office or maybe in another country and get something fixed. And I think that's one of the key things for utilities besides just tracking what's going on, um, what's working, what's not working. So private networks are a thing for utilities. And my understanding is most European countries are actually putting aside special spectrum for 
utilities to deploy private networks. Thank you, Catherine. I hope I warned everyone in the beginning that private networks is, is a special and passionate subject for, for Catherine. So, you know, if we had if we had two or three or even a whole day on this call, Catherine can talk private networks uh, till the end of the world, literally. Well, I just wanted to stop you on the technical front because one of the things I'm interested in drilling into here is how you how you have developed your career. We said in the beginning you've got 30 years experience in the in the tech sector. So again, just help us understand how you've um, well how you started your journey, how you progressed to where you are now with Cellnex, and just the key key milestones through your career. So one key milestone is I have a degree, a, a university degree in English literature. <laughs> Not the kind of background you would think would end up working in tech. So that's interesting. I, I didn't know that, Catherine. Yeah, sorry, you're kicking me off now, right? No. No, interesting. I think I think the key thing is is that when I so I've got a degree in English literature and then I started in the in the in the banking world and I identified that kind of IT technology was something that I was really interested in. Mm -hmm. And I was look, I really looked at it from the perspective of I could see companies changing with technology. And I was looking at it from the perspective of not a technical person, but how the technology impacted the businesses that I was looking at in the banking world. And I thought, okay, if I could be in technology because I understand the impact. And if you know anything about going off to talk to a customer, you, you most of these people, most of you all on the, on the call are tech, very technical, but most of the people that we talk to every day in businesses, whether it's, it's manufacturing or utilities, they know the stuff about their business. They know all about how to run a utility. They know all about how to um, run an airport they don't necessarily know my business and it's my job to interpret how the technology that I bring can transform a company's business. And that is what got me excited about technology. So that's the first thing in my, in my career journey. And I started out really basic stuff in technology and telecoms in Houston, Texas, by the way. And um, I moved and I learned technology as I went along. And I like to say, you know, if people ask me what, um, what are the, some of the tools that I employ in my career journey? And I think it's these right here. <laughs> <laughs> listening and, and actually listening really actively. People, first of all, people love to talk and you mm -hmm. can learn so much about them and about business and and also about you know what makes them what makes their business drives their business and also the co your colleagues what is interesting about the, the product that you are mm -hmm. selling or the product that you're representing and so i think that those that's one of the key tools is listening and being genuinely interested in people because people are the ones who are going to explain what the business is and, and the technology. Mm -hmm. So I think um, 
how did I thrive in a, a male dominated business? Again, being interested in people, being really interested in people and actually knowing my stuff. Hmm. So, and not talking trash, it's really knowing my stuff. And unfortunately, I think women have to know 150% before they feel like they know their stuff. I'm sure we've all heard this. And mm -hmm. I think if I had to change something, I would put out there that, hey, I knew my stuff at 100% and, or even 80%. You know, a man will go for a job where, where he's 80 or 60 or 70% qualified. A woman typically will go for a job when she's 110% qualified. So I would say, you know, it's know your stuff, listen quite a bit, but then also, you know, give yourself a little edge, put yourself yeah. out there, I think. But that, that, that is such a big ask, Catherine. I mean, and it's one thing I've seen reflected on a number of different articles and studied about how women, you know, we always feel we need to be that, 110% qualified before we approach any leadership position. And I think that's a real challenge, right, in terms of getting women to really go for it and, you know, put ourselves forward for for leadership. I know there are times when, you know, there's, there's a real gap in terms of being concerned about that 40 or 50% you might not know about the job. But how would you say is 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 a surefire way to overcome those self-limiting beliefs so you can make progress you can you know go for that leadership go for that director cto maybe just you know taking on a, a lead role on a, on a project for example I'd, I'd say know know what you're really good at no because you know what your talents are and it may not be um messing with this widget, but it may be being able to drive or help someone or motivate someone to do something or to, to be, you know, it's not just, it's know, know what you're really good at because, you know, frankly, whether you're at 110% of those things in your, in that job or 50%, those things that you're really good at are the things that you're probably been good at when you were 10 years old you're 15, you're 20, you're 25. It's traits that you have in inside yourself. So know what those things are. And then also, um, you know, have a couple of people in your life that you know, know what you're good at and, and call on them at those times. I have to say one of my most powerful mentors is actually my mother. And my mother's not in tech. And my mother's not a professional but she has a profound, or she, she was a professional interior designer. She's not a office worker per se, but she, she had an inherent um, ability. She had a huge confidence in herself and herself and her ability to, to get from point A to point B and to get it done. And she really imbued in ourselves, in my sister and I, we, she said, go for it. And I kind of just followed instructions, frankly, and and having, you know, having someone in your life, I was lucky to have my mother who said, go tell them how good you are. Hmm. And so I did. So, um, so other mentors I've had, I've had um, colleagues, I've had um, pe uh, people who I've worked for, I've had men and women as mentors, and I haven't had a specific person. I know a lot of people have a person that they go to and that's the person that they make the final decision, help them make those final decisions. 
Um, Catherine, we have a question from the audience here that I'm just going to flash it up. So it's, what did you learn on reflection during COVID lockdown? What did I learn? I learned to roll with things. That's definitely what I learned. I learned how much I love people and how, how being around people was so important. Um, I learned that um, business, I thought business was gonna stop and it did not. And it, it was even busier. And I, I think I learned that there is always going to be a demand and you can't make an excuse and you just need to go out and find it. Thank you, Catherine. And how to make a good margarita. <laughs> yep, that always helps. <laughs> and next question we've got here is, that, are there specific aspects of your leadership journey other women can replicate for success? Um, let's see. Specific aspects. I'd say, ask, first of all, ask for things. If you don't ask, you don't get. Um, the, I'm moving to a new role in um, in the company that I work for now, Selmex, and I asked, I asked for it. Deal in facts. I have to say, we our 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 jobs right now. A lot of our jobs are reporting to men, mm -hmm. and it's dealing in facts and not emotions. This is what happened. This is what we did. This is what I did. The other aspect of, of I think, my leadership journey is, I, I think, in, inherently as women, we are we's. I bring everybody along for the party. But when you sit down and you talk to the man, the I, he wants to hear what you did. And so we need to, I needed to learn, and I learned how to say, I did this, I did that without feeling that I was slighting anyone and knowing that it takes a, as it takes a village to get something done, whether it's raising a child or putting in a private network or managing a utility network, it takes a village, but you have to come from the eye perspective. And I think those, those are the three things that I would say. Talking on mutes. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one last question from me, from me to finish up. And of course, if there are any last questions from the audience, please do free, feel free to pop it in the chat and we can ask the question. So how does 5G help in creating new value industries and society? Because I know one of the many hats you wear is as a board member for, for K Mason Foundation, and you're very passionate about that. So how do you see any of you know the new availability of 5G spectrum, private network driving that value for helping people get on in, in society? I think there's a whole load of aspects. So one is 5G in not private network is going to change the way that we have that we do our our, our medicine in the world, how we how we how we manage our healthcare. But I think what we found in COVID is that without something like 5G and 5G enables fixed wireless access. So it, it enables kids in schools, kids at home to have access to the internet. They, it enabled them 
to do their schoolwork. And I think what we found in COVID is we didn't realize there were whole areas of the world that didn't have access and therefore children were falling behind in school. So I think from a 5G perspective, 5G brings the, the bulk, the, the, the spectrum, the, um, the, the throughput and that a, a child needs for them to be able to further their world and further their their lives from and so from a society perspective and a medicine perspective if someone in a poor area a can get on the internet b they can get a job by being on the internet c they can have the doctor make sure the pacemaker is working because it's connected via something that's connected to the 5g they can also get on the internet and have a hospital appointment an appointment with their doctor. That is a game changer for, for society. And the game changer for industry is, is you know, increased safety. And it's really being able to be more streamlined. It's being able to be, give people jobs that are more interesting, more compelling, um, and, and leave a lot of these repetitive or unsafe jobs, such as driving a lorry up and down the country, the country to machines. So I think 5G is, is, is hugely um, impactful. If I could say just two words about K Mason, it's, 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 a, it's a South African charity focusing on bringing kids in from the townships, um, educating them so that they can apply for scholarships and then we sponsor for scholarships. Mm -hmm. And I, it just moves me every day how we've changed children's lives and by changing children's lives. And I think, you know, this is, I'm not going to say 5g changes lives, but I think it can. Um, we've changed families. We've impacted families and that's just fantastic. Anyway, thanks. Lydia. Thank you. Thank you so much, Catherine. Um, that was really good and, and really enlightening to hear about, um, private networks and what private networks can, can do and, and drive, not just in, in industry and society in general. And I really want to thank you for uh, coming on today. I know you've just arrived back from Barcelona unpacking suitcases. So really appreciate you taking your your time to share your experience, your, your knowledge. And wow, what, what depth of experience you have on, on private networks. I'm, I'm always blown away to hear you, you speak so passionately about the, the technology that, you know, we all interact with without even, even knowing it. So thank you for that. And also for sharing your leadership journey. It's really inspirational, particularly to hear um, you are not from a technical background, but you are working and, and leading the uh, evolution and adoption of the new new tech, um, which is just mind-blowing. So I think I want to encourage everyone listening today, um, again, this call is for women to hear what other people are doing and take some inspiration. You don't have to be a technical person. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to have it together. But or you have to have it together, I would say, but you don't have to have everything in, in one go. And it's okay to have gaps. I think from everything Catherine has said, you know, know your strengths and and go for it. So thank you so much for sharing, Catherine. That was brilliant. 
Lydia, thank you so much for inviting me. It was a true pleasure. And to everyone on the call, thank you so much. And feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and ask thank any you. questions you might have. Thank you, Catherine. We'll leave it here for today. Thank you. Cheers. Bye.